It is the Ed North EdTech Podcast. I'm Dave Swordlick, your host. And if you uh, like the Ed North EdTech Podcast, no matter what platform you're listening to this on, if you could leave us a review, it would be awesome. It would take you just a couple seconds. All right, maybe 30. But nonetheless, uh, five stars, if you can write a review, uh, whatever uh, platform, you know, they, they vary. If you could re- give us a review, it would very much be appreciated. On this show, this is great. Eli Maloli from Vivacity Tech. His company's less than four years old, yet he's one of the premier sellers of Chromebooks to schools throughout the United States and accessories. Nice stuff. He knows his stuff. And we're going to learn about it right now on the Ed North EdTech Podcast. Eli, thanks for joining us today on the Ed North EdTech Podcast. You're a fellow Ed North member, and uh, you started a company, what, I think, Four years ago, is that right? Yep, in April we'll uh, we'll hit the four year mark. I had a chance to visit you at your uh, new uh, headquarters, your new digs. Super, super nice. I want your office, <laughs> and uh, and and we'll go from there. For someone who has never heard of your company, Vivacity Tech, what does Vivacity Tech do? In the ed tech sector? Yeah, so the short of it is we sell technology hardware to schools. Uh, predominantly, we're focused on providing Chromebooks, uh, the actual Chromebook hardware to school districts um, all across the nation. And that in and of itself, I think it's quite innocuous. There's a lot of people who do that, but we have so many different value adds and services around Chromebooks, really running a gamut from software we've custom built to curriculum that we've actually produced to show um, and train school districts on how to repair their own Chromebooks uh, to a lot of different value-added services, pre-project and post-project. How many uh, competitors that you consider true competitors are out there? I would say uh, it's going to vary by region. It's not a huge amount, maybe 10 um, major competitors nationwide that, that we're competing with on most every project. And typically, because the, the industry uh, has so well defined, we're talking K-12 schools uh, in the U.S., a lot of these competitors uh, that we're going up against, they're very entrenched, they're very big, um, most of them being uh, multi-billion dollar uh, type corporations. So we're, we're sort of the, the little guy disrupting disrupting. Those folks. Now we know your exit strategy because there's these billion-dollar companies out there, right? One thing that you mentioned when we came and visited you is that – and I'm not sure if other people do this or not, but you – for schools, you will preload software, specific software that that school needs. Does that, does that stick out or are there other people doing that? Other people do it. They don't go to the level of detail that we do. They can't, they can't handle the, the level of customization that a lot of these school districts require, you know, because they are so big and these are big ships that we're competing against that have a hard time turning, if you will. Um, we're, we're, we're smaller and nimble and we can cater to our customers' needs uh, a little bit more. But yeah, that's turned out to be uh, one of the top value adds that attract school districts to us. 
it's pretty amazing when a school can get a computer with everything they want on it. It sounds like a huge hassle for the schools. Could you kind of walk us through the steps you do to put some software on? Yeah, so actually Google does a lot of the heavy lifting there, which is great for us. So, you know, everything with uh, Chromebooks is that it's cloud-based. So everything's running off the centralized Google cloud servers. And school districts will set up sort of their settings. Like any any Chromebook that touches their domain would have XYZ pre-applied settings. Maybe they have different settings for their middle school students than they would their elementary school students, uh, than they would their high school students. But what we do is we go in and we make sure that all of those preloaded settings that the school district administrators would have done are already set up on these Chromebooks. Um, and we'll divvy them up by the classification. Like if they if they decided they wanted to divvy it up by, you know, elementary school, the middle school, the high school, then we'll do that. Um, that's the extra level of customization I, I referenced a moment ago that other places won't do. Um, We'll do that, um, and then and then additionally, you know, if they do, uh, they apply asset tax, you know, which is like an extra barcode um, that would have would show up on the Chromebook itself. Um, if the school district does that, we'll apply that for them. We'll put that asset tax sticker on the Chromebook. If they want their logo laser engraved on the Chromebook, we have laser etchers in our facilities, and then we repackage everything. So that these Chromebooks can just come off the truck and they're ready to go. Um, I mean, literally, the IT team wouldn't have to touch them if they didn't want to. Uh, they could just hand them right out to teachers and students. Is there some refurb stuff that you need to do before it goes out? We do some uh, Chromebook refurbishing, some recertification, but predominantly most of the Chromebooks we sell are brand new. So if the school district uh, doesn't want that service or maybe needs the devices quicker, uh, let's say if they're in a rush. But most commonly, our practice would be to do that um, imaging service that I mentioned a moment ago or, or you know, change up the packaging and how it ships out. You're less than four years old, your company. You're, you're thriving. You're growing. How did you get this idea, uh, especially with other people in the marketplace? Yeah, so um, you know, about 10 years ago, a little over 10 years ago, uh, moved out to Northern California to uh, – uh, attend school actually my wife and i moved out there it was shortly thereafter we got we got pregnant with baby number one and after i finished my first year of school had a family to support and being in northern california you sort of fall into tech naturally and uh so i got started with a at that time you know really hot silicon valley startup company that was helping school districts save money uh, on the computers that they bought. Now, I got started in the industry and specifically selling uh, computer hardware to schools way back then. And after providing school districts that solution, I recognized some needs in the market. So in 2011, I actually left that company I was at and started my first company in the Twin Cities area. And we scaled that company very quickly based off of uh, the need we were meeting at that time. And uh, essentially over the years, one step kind of happened after the next to where school districts needed Chromebooks. Uh, you know, over the past 10 years, it went from every school district wanted to do a stationary lab um, with a couple computers in the back of every classroom and students would rotate through the labs, let's say, to go do research papers or go play Oregon Trail, right, back in the day. And then around 2014, 2015, everything just sort of switched overnight. It was like, it seemed like all across the nation, every school district wanted to try to get one computing device in the hands of every one student. 
And so just being kind of in the industry already providing that type of hardware to schools, we had to pivot that business to meet that new need that was popping up. And so it really is just one thing led to the next. I ended up leaving um, that first company that I started in 2017, took some time off and, and was just thinking through, honestly, during that time, if I were to do it all over again, how would I do it better, different, have some type of unique differentiators in the market? And coming out with a lot of these uh, customization offerings that, that I, I mentioned uh, a moment ago uh, to be unique in the market. And so, again, it's just kind of been a, an evolution really over the past, I would say, you know, 10 to 12 years. So. And uh, so for this company, did you have to raise some funds to get going? How did you get this started? Yeah, so um, I did a combination of debt financing and equity financing we were able to find a model that really did not require um, a huge amount of capital um, to really compete with, and like I mentioned, uh, uh, a lot of these multi-billion dollar corporations. So, but a little bit of debt financing and equity financing. You're you're really tuned into the what's going on inside the schools. Uh, I know schools that have both Chromebooks and iPads. Are you looking at all to get into that route? That would be great. Uh, Apple has a, a fairly closed reseller ecosystem. Um, every time I've, I've tried to approach Apple on that concept, it's, it's typically been met with a, we're not adding any new resellers at this time type message, but that's not all bad. iPads are a great consumer device. Um, in my opinion, early on and, you know, around that 2014, 2015 period, there was a lot of school districts that thought iPads could be the device that would predominantly take over that, that sort of one-to-one initiative. But I think what a lot of school districts found over the past several years is that, you know, they're really expensive to purchase. Then they're really expensive to maintain. Uh, they're easy to break. And when they do break, expensive to fix. They don't have a full-size keyboard. They're not a big device. And really, Apple's really catered the iPad for the consumer market, not so not so much for K-12, which the K-12 vertical is easily the hardest on computing devices by far. And so over time, you start to see these ruggedized Chromebooks really uh, take the lead in terms of what school districts are looking for uh, for a computing device for the students. How has COVID affected your business? You know, um, it's it's been good for demand, uh, bad for supply. And I think I think the sum of it really is it's, it's honestly it's been a wash. Maybe if anything, it's, it's been there's maybe been a little bit of increased demand uh, more so than the loss of supply. But there was a time when there was so much demand, you just couldn't find any Chromebooks out there when all school districts were going going virtual. So uh, it's been it's been unique, purely just talking in terms of effect on our business. That yeah, again, I would say maybe a small positive, but the the other challenges and just navigating through supply chain issues in terms of our business and our market, um, I, I can't say that I've I've necessarily enjoyed enjoyed COVID from that perspective. How many Chromebooks? Or, you know, how much inventory can you handle right now? I mean, we we have we have many uh, many millions of dollars worth of inventory uh, in our St. Paul warehouse, which is what you and I walked through the other day. Um, we did just uh, expand last March. We expanded in Greenville, South Carolina. We added a warehouse there, and we're actually in the middle of expanding that site. We thought that we had found a location in South Carolina that would last us for four years. Um, and it hasn't even lasted a year yet, and we are needing to move um, fairly quickly just to add more inventory to keep up with that demand. So, yeah, I think we're doing well on that front, um, but uh, I think I 
think, you know, not only is it expanding in Greenville, but we're probably adding um, other locations across the U.S. here uh, pretty quickly, if nothing else, just for that added warehouse space that we need. Wow. So, Eli, you're a public benefit corporation. Could you give us an explanation on what that means? Yeah, absolutely. So, and that's something that we're we're very excited and passionate about. So, uh, Public Benefit Corporation is a for-profit company. We're not a nonprofit. I want to make that distinction. But when a company incorporates as a public benefit corporation, um, you're actually uh, mandated to state in your articles of incorporation what that specific public benefit that your company is going to have, uh, and you're held accountable to it. So. Uh, the public benefit that we outlined in our articles of incorporation is that we are going to give back a portion of our profits uh, to schools for the propagation of technology-backed teaching. We're constantly assessing how much money that we have set aside for donations and looking for needs to make those donations. I think um, here in just the past couple of years, we've donated over $100,000 worth of IT equipment to, to schools um, and to some nonprofits all across the U.S., and uh, we've done some small international donations as well. We're actually the, the first public benefit corporation to provide technology hardware uh, to schools. So, again, I'm, I'm really excited about that. That's one major distinction that we have from our competitors. It actually it, it also um, makes us less attractive to get acquired um, because I, I think the, the acquiring company would have to be very mindful of our mission and that a lot of our goodwill is tied up in, in what we're doing in the market a, from a public benefit standpoint. And, and I actually appreciate that and like that. I, I really want to uh, keep my head down and focus growing the business, not, not really looking to get acquired. I've uh, been approached many times um, already in our, in our short uh, company's history, but it's not it's not high on my priority list. Um, I really am passionate about making a, an impact uh, and just doing the best we can in K twelve for K twelve. And speaking of K twelve, uh, you've got a, a couple K twelve kids, do you not? It's, yep, ten, twelve, and thirteen years old. So, how is that uh, work balance? I mean, you're building this big company and it, it, it's growing. Uh, you, uh, you seem like a guy when we sat down who really knows the work family balance. How do you do that? Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's not an easy answer. It's certainly a struggle, but for, for me, uh, my wife and I, we've really taken the approach of just working our butts off and including our kids in that process. So, uh, it's not so much work-life balance. I would say I like the term work-life harmony better and really approaching our day with that in our minds. Um, and so with a kind of a work-life harmony mindset, we've actually built out like my, my personal office has a, um, has a special seating area with a really cool Samsung TV and an Xbox there for my kids to come and hang out and, and play Xbox while uh, daddy works a few feet away from them. And so it's, it's very accommodating at night at the dinner table. We're, we're, we're typically talking about like what Vavasky is going through. You know, my wife does a lot of work at the company and it's sort of a, a great, not only a bonding moment for all of us as a family, because we sort of see this as a group effort, all five of us, uh, but it's just a, been a great learning experience um, for our kids. You know, my, my middle child, for example, my 12 year old, he's an avid reader. He, he reads like crazy. Um, and so there was a time when I, I was paying him a, a, 
couple bucks on the side to read through uh, bids and contracts for schools. Um, and so we're just constantly looking at, at ways like that where we can just include the kids. Uh, my oldest actually just had a really cool marketing idea for trade shows. So we're, we're constantly looking at how we can really sort of blend the two together, both work and life. That, that's awesome because that is one thing that I really picked up on when, uh, when you and I met. Uh, and yeah, that cool space in your office uh, you don't have the kids in the warehouse uh, picking and shipping. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> I'll give them a, a few a few more years, but yeah, that that'll come for sure. <laughs> All right. So Chromebook primarily rules the world in in uh, in school education. Do you see or have you seen any new technology or new players in the game that want to really get it be, be a direct competitor with the Chromebook in addition to uh, the iPad? I think that there's a lot of uh, companies out there that are, are very eager to get their products and their brand in front of the next generation of buyers. Um, uh, you know, that was, that was Apple's model decades ago uh, and, they, and they did well with that. And I think that's been Google's play as well. Um, and so there's a lot of people that are always are talking about, you know, the next thing that's going to take over Chromebooks. Over the years, uh, uh, honestly, I, I don't think um, any one of them has really panned out. Microsoft just announced a, a new, quote-unquote, Chromebook killer uh, type offering. And my team saw that recently. They said, hey, what do you think? Check this out. Um, and I just said, this, this just seems like another futile attempt from Microsoft to try to take over uh, some of that market share that they lost. I pulled out articles uh, I think every year from the past five years and every year there's been some type of new Chromebook killer coming from Microsoft that, again, just hasn't panned out. I mean, certainly you hear rumors of other companies that might come in and try to do something like Amazon. You never know what, what Jeff Bezos is, is thinking um, in terms of getting in front of K-12. Really, at this point, I don't think that the, the rumor mill is too hot in that area. And if something were to present itself today, I'd still be skeptical in seeing somebody else or something else take over Google Chrome. If you were to make an improvement uh, with the Chromebook, uh, is there a feature that you would uh, maybe add? Yeah, so um, I think, you know, I think Google's done a really good job overall, you know, really dialing in um, the hardware. Google themselves, they don't make a Chromebook for schools. They just make the operating system and they rely on players like Dell and HP, Lenovo, you know, Acer to, to actually make the hardware. But Google does have a very strong hand in dictating what those guys produce and what they put in their Chromebook. From a hardware standpoint, I think I think overall it's pretty good. From a software standpoint, um, you know, Google does a great job in creating software that allows school districts to easily manage all of their devices. But I would say I think there are ways that Google can improve. I think even like security, taking security a step further with Chromebooks in terms of keeping students safe. What are they searching for? Are there any red flags? What happens when a device gets stolen? Being able to build in location tracking features, those types of things to the Google Chrome platform. And then some of those pre-deployment things that I mentioned we're doing where we're enrolling a Chromebook into a school district's domain for the school district. I feel like that process Google can make a lot easier and smoother as well. But those are maybe a couple couple of things I would change. But at a really high level, Google does a phenomenal job, which is also kind of plays into why I, I just can't imagine somebody's going to come along and unseat Google anytime soon from being the market leader. So uh, tell us a little bit about customer acquisition. How are you reaching schools? Yeah, so there, there's a lot of different ways we do that. But what's nice about working in K-12 is that you know who the school districts are. 
and there's no new school districts really being added. You know what I mean? Uh, so you already have kind of a defined list. There's 13,500 school districts across the U.S. Then you look at that list, and, and again, all that's public info. Then you look at that list, and you go, okay, who, who am I actually going to try to talk to here? And by the time you kind of weed out the really small school districts that take a lot of time to work and don't really produce a whole lot of actual revenue for the business, and then you, you kind of cut off the top certain percentage of school districts that are just so massive, and it would be hard to break into and, and acquire them as a customer you're left with about 7,500 school districts. So it's not a very huge list. From there, it's email trip campaigns, a lot of phone calls. You got to have some kind of new, exciting offering that would at least start a conversation. And, and again, we feel we do with some of the proprietary products we've made, like carrying cases for devices or charging stations for devices. So emails, calls, but then trade shows. You know, trade shows are starting to come back into focus now. Pre-COVID, trade shows were our number one way that we were acquiring customers. When people would actually see everything we do and actually physically touch it and, and talk to our reps face-to-face, we see eyes light up time and time again. So I would say trade shows are our number one uh, and then followed by email drip campaigns and phone calls. We covered this already, kind of, but what is next? Yeah, I, I think that we'll have, um, you know, over the next couple of years, we'll we'll see uh, Vivacity having several locations across the U.S. You you sell a lot of accessories. Yeah, so you know, we have carrying cases in a, in a couple of different flavors, whether it's just like a, a vertical sleeve uh, that you could either carry as a standalone bag and put your device in or... Uh, drop it into a backpack for extra protection to a uh, more robust sleeve with uh, accessory pouches for the charger and, and whatever else. Uh, and then a, a work-in case type of case where uh, the device always stays into the case for maximum protection for the device. Each one of those three in their own respective right uh, has garnered a ton of attention and demand from the market. So I wouldn't say that any one is superior than the other. They all do really well. We make a, a backpack that the largest school district in Georgia just actually bought 25000 for all of their teachers and, and staff, um, and they, they customize that backpack as well to have their logo on it. So our backpack does really well. I'm very excited about that. But our charging stations are turning a lot ahead. Charging carts that would charge anywhere from six devices to 36 devices. We've just seen a tremendous amount of demand. We had a, we had a, case, uh, a cart vendor recently tell us that um, – from their data, they see us as now the number one charging cart producer in the U.S. for schools. I haven't seen uh, data to corroborate that, but given just given the demand and the amount of product that we see leaving our, our docks, I, I wouldn't argue with that either. Yeah, congratulations and, and take the compliment, just saying. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, that's that's phenomenal. Eli Maloli, can't thank you enough for being a guest here on the Ed North Podcast. What a success story. And you're growing more and you're not ready to, you're not ready to, your exit strategy uh, is not what I thought. And your exit strategy is, I'm not sure you even know, do you at this point? No, no, just grown the business. That's fantastic. Uh, a very successful business, business as well. So, again, Eli Maloli, your email address if someone wants to reach out. Yeah, it's just Eli, E-L-I, at VivacityTech.com. Looks like VivacityTech.com. So. Eli Maloli from Vivacity Tech, right here on the Ed North Ed Tech Podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Dave. My pleasure.
Hey, thanks again to Eli Maloli from Vivacity Tech for joining us on the Ed North Ed Tech podcast. As I mentioned at the beginning of this, uh, this episode, if you enjoy the Ed North Ed Tech podcast, if you like it, if you find value in it, if you could do that, give us a review, no matter what platform you're on. If you give us stars, write a review, whatever it is, uh, it would very much be appreciated and uh, it would mean a lot and help spread the news about this particular podcast. On behalf of the Ed North Ed Tech podcast, I'm Dave Swerdlick and we'll talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.